Dente Rigamortis. I'm Review Cultist, and tonight I have some very special guests, as always. Guys. <laughs> well, hello. I'm Adam. I'm with the Real Point Exchange, uh, guest starring once again over here. We're doing with a creepypasta that involves being out in the woods away from civilization, so why not get somebody with an Appalachian accent? Just a class to join up. Does that mean I need to talk with my accent, too? I can well, if that wants to classy it up. Well, what's that about, eh? It, it, I'm Travis. I'm uh, introductions first, jokes later. Uh, Travis Gaskew, uh, podcast mercenary. I'm a PhD student at Georgia Tech. I study interactive narrative sto- storytelling and science fiction, focusing on uh, weird and hor- horrific science fiction mediums. Excellent. This is why I bring people here. <laughs> Um, I have a funny story about how I actually was able to explain a professor an issue with interactive narrative game using tabletop last yesterday. I will share later. Awesome. Um, yes, so we are continuing uh, and probably concluding our state and slash province creepypasta um, series of shows <laughs> yeah. uh, with Ontario, um, my home province. And we are doing the story, A Campfire Story, by uh, Vital Duel or Drew McDougal on the No Sleep. Reddit No Sleep. Uh, So just as a quick rundown for it, basically this uh, narrator is a camp counselor uh, for overnight camps in Muskoka, or in the Muskokas. Um, He loves doing it, but then there's this one time when he was on an overnight trip in the in Algonquin Park, which for non-Canadians is basically a giant uh, national park that is in the middle of, of the province. And he had about six kids with an extra counselor with him. And they were basically just on the lakes. Um, and then like during the day, they would uh, play around and hang out on, on the lakes. And then at night, they would be around a campfire. Uh, and telling sp- uh, scary stories with s'mores. Uh, and so he'd tell all manner of scary stories to the kids, and then uh, they all basically went to bed except for the counselor. And he was basically just enjoying the night when he noticed some lights on the top of a, the cliffs on the other side of the, the lake that they were on. And his heart kind of or his uh, heart stopped for a second and he went and grabbed his digital camera and went to zoom in and check to see like uh, count them or count these lights that are up, uh, up on the cliff and then counted again and then immediately recognized what they were and ran to the ca- the other campers and woke them up because to try and get them to move and get out of here because he said that there's a storm coming and after some uh, begrudgingness, they eventually all started packing up and started heading out toward the nearest ranger uh, site. So on the way there, he's telling them a story, which is the story of the lights and how it was about uh, some Native Americans uh, going uh, like migrating through this area um, in the time before uh, the European settlers. And they had to cross these cliffs uh, after a massive, like, 
unseasonable blizzard um, had uh, had struck the area. And so they couldn't see anything, but they had to get past these cliffs. So they got used what light they had from like kerosene lamps um, and used that as kind of like a a line of lights to try and like navigate uh, like so that people could the person behind you could see um, or navigate uh, the cliffs. And but the person in front was basically blind and had to like kind of do it themselves. Story kind of goes the way you think the first person falls uh, or slips and falls. And then it just kind of creates a domino effect of other people. Like they never quite, none of them make it past these cliffs, each one falling into the, into the lake below Uh, with the last one uh, cursing the land um, as he falls down into the, uh, the splashing tide. So, Ever since then, they say that the lights are there, and like they do, they cause like an issue, or like like in the in the story that he's telling, or is it just? Well, they just now. Let's go ahead and start nitpicking. Now, how the hell do we know all this stuff? That the last person I, who was there is dead. I was. I have that in my notes. Um, this is why it's an urban legend. Yes, so exactly. So, so yeah. I do. I do. I do enjoy the story, and there is a naturalistic phenomenon that explains it. That the yeah. ghost story helps create a more appealing narrative than "Hey, the Earth is doing weird things." So I was actually okay with this yeah. spooky story using to to explain naturalistic phenomenon. Yeah. No, I I, I have that like in my notes. It was like, ah, uh, then who told the story? Like, did I tell no tale? <laughs> but then, yeah, like you hear this all before like legends and ghost stories of like people the, the person dies and like so if the person died who told that story but like you said it's obviously just an exp- like if this is an actual legend from like from history it's probably just like an explanation for weird lights um yeah the the other thing i had to nitpick i guess we're going to go into that my beef here is uh kerosene lighting is that a, would that have been a thing so like I would, that European was, settlers. That was my nitpick as well. <laughs> there is technically a Native American tribe from New York area. I forgot to write them down. They didn't have kerosene particularly, but they did have a version of gasoline and oil that they gathered from seeds. Yeah. Um, and that were around and used way before and only started to be picked up as like an important transaction when the settlers came. So it is possible because it because they bordered up to the south lake ontario it yeah. is possible this is a this is an actual thing it's not kerosene but it's a good way of giving the appeal of some type of flammable liquid without being weirdly you know uh yeah. granular in the notion. yeah like i mean i guess it could have been like also like animal fats or something like that like yeah some kind of fu- like some kind of like light lit fuel like uh, other than like just yeah, lantern. Yeah. And again, it's a modernization, possibly, or like just yeah. a, an, an accidental modernization of the on the legend that the the character's telling. So, well, yeah, to get back to that though, you're yes. right. It like it just seems like after they tell the story, there's no other connection to like, oh, here, kids, here's your uh, ghost story, and then and then we get the drop after when they get yeah. to the ranger site. Um, there's a bunch of people there because they're trying to get the hell out of Dodge because there is actually a storm coming and it's like tornado t- uh, weather. So yeah, they're trying to get everybody evacuated out of the park to get to safer shelters. 
Um, and so they're on the truck ride back to probably um, the portage station in the middle of, or like near that in the nearest high, like the, the highway that goes through Algonquin. Um, when uh, the, the counselor that's with our narrator um, whispers to him, like, how did you know that there was going to be a storm? Like, how'd you know that? And like, they, she said, he says, well, uh, I saw the lights and she's like, no, you didn't. Cause she recognizes it. And she recognized the legend that he was telling, but he neglected to say, or leave. He left out a uh, a piece of information from the story to the kids as they're like sleeping in the truck next to them. Um, the thing is, the lights show up, um, and it's one light. Whenever the lights show up, they're they're usually a message or a warning, and it's one light for every person that's about to die. And there were eight lights there, and there were eight people at that campsite two counselors and six kids so that's kind of where the the dread of the story kind of ends it was like Ooh. how do we know the people telling the story didn't die and this is a ghost's ghost story <laughs> inception um, yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you guys saw the comments for this one but somebody like brought that up it's like oh it's a story within a story within a story storyception Wow. Um, well, it it does yeah. remind me of like one of the more famous examples of a story within a story within a story would actually be Heart of Darkness by Conrad. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you if you've ever had to read that one, but it's like I have not. <laughs> it it as a guy on a party boat or a yacht or or at a party or something in general telling a story that was told to him of an occurrence that happened in colonial Africa, and uh, like okay. so it, it goes through that filter. Like yeah. The, the other way to f- view the the Joseph Conrad stories, if you've ever seen Apocalypse Now, as you are watching a story of somebody going through Vietnam and hearing his experience of what he did in a fever dream, right? Because that's the the direct inspiration for Apocalypse Now is Heart of Darkness. Yeah, gotcha. You're even looking for Conrad, uh, but that's neither here nor there. I'm saying that a lot. First, let's start off, let's start at the top, because I do got, I got yeah. a bone to pick right here in the beginning. <laughs> okay. All right. So <laughs> let me, English let me, teacher, go. Oh, well, it's actually, this is a very beautifully written, like, I have no complaints mm-hmm. English, but, like, this is more just content. For a number, like, I'm going to start at the very top paragraph. I'm going to tell you my opinion afterwards. For a number of years, I was a camp counselor at an overnight camp, and I almost said the Muskogees, but it's not. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I loved it for more than any job I've ever had. Okay, this is where I get some dissonance. Despite the non-existent pay, annoying campers, long days and short nights, crappy food. For one, I got to tell as many scary stories as I could sputter out. This guy just sounds like a bastard. Like, he is an asshole who doesn't like anything and just likes to go out into the woods just to torment a bunch of young children with scary ghost stories. Now, he's, you know, under this veneer of being a professional dog, he just seems like a very, like a, a curmudgeon. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I kind of got that as like, oh, like just him being sarcastic about, uh, about the, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it could yeah, be. it's just yeah. If you take it that way, yeah, I guess it's just like he's like my entire my only love of life is just scaring the hell out of children, <laughs> pulling the wings off of a fly. <laughs> Deft tone starts playing in the background. We start reading the story. <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel like um, there, we're getting a little bit of a whiplash from uh, like just like the tone. Like he's like, oh yeah, I love camping, except for this. 
and this. Except for and camping. This, and this. But I like this. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, uh, I also got, like, uh, my, one of my thing at the top, or so, like, they're uh, explaining, like, the Muskoka is in Algonquin Park. Um, so my my background for this, uh, this is actually really, I, again, I kind of chose this as, like, oh, I recognize Algonquin Park on here. And, like, I did a quick read through before I chose this. But then as I was reading, I was like, man, I was getting flashbacks to, like, when I used to portage in Algonquin Park and, like, go camping out in Algonquin Park. Um, cause like, yeah, there are like cliffs that you can, uh, I don't think you can really jump off of them. I mean, I'm sure there's some lakes that you can. No, you can but jump more off like, of them. <laughs> you can. Once. <laughs> I can jump off this cliff once. You um, can, but all there's... cliffs are jump offable. It's just if there's multiple <laughs> jumps in them. Yeah. And, but there are and actually... on you. Yeah. Unless you want like... to be a little bitch about it, then yeah. <laughs> I mean, like one of my 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 biggest memories was like um, similar kind of cliffs, but like they're on an ang- a slight angle, like they're basically like a a slope, like a rocky slope. And if you like take your your life jacket uh, or like some kind of like filled some kind of buffer, and you sit on that, and it'll, they'll they make for great slides, <laughs> like just a hundred feet or like about tw- uh, maybe like a couple of dozen feet in the air. Um, or like a couple of dozen feet above the water and you can just slide down into the water. So again, I was kind of reliving a little bit of uh, childhood memories of like camping out in the Algonquin park yeah. uh, with the story. Um, so he's talking about uh, like what kind of stories he tell kids here, like uh, with like the, the stalker in the woods with, uh, with the face so horrifying that paralyzes all its victims with fear uh, or the group of campers who decided to spend the night across the lake from a abandoned or was it insane asylum? Yeah, I don't think there's an insane asylum in Algonquin Park as far as I could find. Um, but I know there's the ruins of a century-old hotel out there. <laughs> um, it's called the Highland Inn, mm-hmm. and that I, again, like reading this, it, it brought back a memory of like when um, we were camping out there. And we were told that, like, about the about the Highland Inn, and like how I they the way we had been told it was like had burned down, but I think it just had been abandoned and then like been reclaimed by nature. But yeah, it's like that kind of stuff. It 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 helps to almost kind of ground it into this uh, into like for people in the know of Algonquin, uh, it does like these kind of stories are told there. Kind of help to um, again further my nostalgia for camping <laughs> yeah yeah if you look for algonquin park oh yeah ruins there's so many good little images i should yep. if i ever do the summer camp again i might just steal images from this place go for it i i will actually say one of my first ever ideas for running in like a horror scenario was set was based off of my trips in algonquin park so um never got off the ground but it was kind of the stepping stone into my career as a gm <laughs> Um, one thing I will bring up from the story, uh, just quickly. So there's a part where it's like the, when he's talking in the legend, um, and the clothes they had on, uh, the clothes they had on them were made uh, for the fall, not this sort of weather. And there weren't any Canada goose jackets around back then. So just as a quick aside, uh, Canada goose is actually, um, a Toronto based, uh, cold weather clothing company okay. <laughs> just for uh, context on that. 
you have to Google it if you want to know like what he's talking about with Canada Goose jackets. Yeah, but just as a like a context thing for out of the well for our commentary here. So as per usual, I always will need an editor because I can't write for shit. Um, so I don't care about content, or I usually just care about content. And like you've hit some good points, but grammar and stuff goes over my head like a good goose down honking Canadian geese. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't know where that was going. <laughs> so <Fair. laughs> So we jump in to buy the books, a uh, little bit of an introduction, then setting the stage where you were talking about uh, the, the insane asylum and telling the stories. Then, uh, I, yeah, it goes into the, the section where he's discussing the six kids are in bed. Uh, partial moon reflected. He was thinking about cliff jumping, which see, like, I do want to mention this because I have been cliff jumping. Yeah. And I only went one time, but it's not because I died. It's because I broke my tailbone. <laughs> but I mean, it was oh, a death yes. of sorts. Yeah. I feel like I nearly drowned. I mean, but... considering this guy's <laughs> only fun is scaring people, he might actually have a condition where he needs to have fear to survive. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. might actually be like the scarecrow and like this is the only oh, way God. to. To, to to survive is jumping off larger and larger cliffs until he I can't mean, jump again. It is a thing that you do in Algonquin Park, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although I don't recommend, I recommend scouting the water beforehand because a lot of those lakes are like pine needle lakes, so they're really black, <laughs> and there's a lot of trees down there. <laughs> like there's like a lot of those lakes, uh, like have like large stumps and like protruding um trees that used to like be like where like, i guess where the water like used to not be there and now it's raised up kind of like it, it, uh the kentucky thing where uh um, we yeah, have mangroves the, yeah um like i remember going like to one of the islands in one of the lakes we were at and looking down a, a cl- from the cliff side of that and looking down at the water and just seeing this like octopoidal like display out in the water because the the this tree had uh, the 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 roots of this tree had uh close enough to the surface of the water that you could see it through the blackish water and it was just this like tendrils going out like blossoming out and i was just there's like your next, there's your creepy pasta story you need to write right there yeah yeah <laughs> it looks like it looks like tree roots and then it snags exactly. up your dog <laughs> exactly it's the it's the uh the shubnigaroth tie-in creepy pasta <laughs> I, you know, and I, this is all me. And, I, you know, I can honestly look at this now that, you know, we've made it to the ending and go back. Like when he was talking about cliff diving, I don't think he was trying to kill. Like, no, I, I, I held it like suspect. You know, it just seems like it, and where I'd read him as being a bastard in the beginning. I just kind of like, well, <laughs> uh, maybe we could do some cliff jumping. I grinned. The camp director would have my head if we did that. If you found, found it. Like, it just seemed kind of like, I was like, this guy's an asshole still. But, <laughs> and then we get the orbs. I thought, I, I was very interested that it says that, uh, you know, after he zoomed in, he counted them. And then he counted them again. And then, oh, shit. So I like that little tease that they did there. I thought that was really nice. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're going to get uh, in a well-written story. We would find out why he counted them. Yeah, but I don't know. I just want to compliment that. That was a nice little structural hook, if you will. Yeah, um, it actually kind of ties into something. Like one of my comments for the story is 
Uh, like we said earlier, it's like a story within a story within a story kind of thing. I, I really liked that way that this story is told. Like it's in increments from the narrator while playing out the events of the trip. So like, yeah, like we get like the camping trip and then there's a catalyst to another story that he's going to tell, but he's not going to tell it all the like way through. He's going to save parts of it for like the drop at the end. Um, I just like really like how like there was like those building those stepping stones or building blocks to like uh, a deeper story than just a camping trip where something weird happens. Yeah. Another thing, uh, also like the that were like when they get to uh, the, the the ranger station and then the uh, the big burly ranger um, tells them that like didn't you hear uh, uh, another uh, another gust of wind huge storm systems heading right for us already been tornadoes touched down we've <laughs> we're getting everyone out here. Let's go. Um, yeah, oof, that would be terrifying in and of itself. Like just that standalone, like being having tornado weather in amidst all of those pine forests <laughs> and like open lake areas. Like, ugh. Which, for those of you who are not familiar with like how pine trees work, I mean, they're not as sturdy, like heavy, mighty oak no. kind of wood. They're <laughs> they they grow fast. They break easy. And sometimes it's actually to their survival, too, that they can weather some winds that more robust trees would, you know, fight against and break. But, like, yeah, I can imagine a tornado going through a pine forest. It would just devastate everything. Yeah, and it it doesn't help that they're also, um, they they grow in the area that they're growing in, which is around Algonquin. It's the Canadian Shield. So there's not a lot of topsoil. There's, like, just enough for the trees and forest. Yeah. (laughs) But... Not enough to like if if a good like a like a, a tornado gust comes in, it's going to like tear down those trees like toothpicks. <laughs> yeah, um, it's probably why a lot of those lakes have so many trees and like logs um, at the bottom of them. I think this is one of the sections that uh, we could have elaborated on. Like whenever we get the straight narration of this story. I would have really appreciated it a bit more if, you know, paragraph, paragraph of it, boom, cut to present time, wind whistling through the trees. Uh, you know, just give me give me an update of what's going on. And if, you know, I feel like it could have made some more tension there because, see, once we once we get to the, the flashback narration of like that story. Yeah, that's all we get. And it's. While it's spooky and while it ties in nicely at the tail end of it, I feel like it was just a missed opportunity that they didn't add more because like I have been camping a lot and I was a boy scout till they kicked me out, but that's a different story that we'll save for another day. But, um, the, uh, when you're in the woods and the, and the wind's picking up and then the, the branches above you are creaking and it's a genuine risk that if you're out in that kind of weather, something could break and fall on you. It's, yeah. uh, you know, very legitimate. And they could have added that in there and it just would have been a little nicer. You yeah. Know? Like maybe like have like him looking like, I like break through the, the, uh, the narration of the story for a second. And then like show him like looking up in the trees, like seeing them wave around, like maybe like spears or something like that. Because again, pine trees are also shaped in the, in a way that like you can get impaled by them, but they fall. <laughs> in the right way. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, or at least like the top ends of them break off. Like that's basically like a a, a stabbing hazard or a piercing hazard. <laughs> they look like teeth, and it, yeah. like if you're oh, moving exactly. around, man, just imagine like the grinding teeth of a gigantic beast that you're into would have been a nice bit of uh, color. Exactly. It. Yeah. Uh, Travis, do you have anything? <laughs> oh no! Like okay. I, I grew up in pine forests. Like okay, Savannah is. It's old oaks, it's pine trees, and it's stuff like that. Like all you're talking about is like, yep, this this is true. Like again, uh, we didn't even have a tornado touchdown. We had a tornado. Well, we had a tornado in my well, growing up that touched down in the swamp behind us just long enough to whirl around, and five trees oh. fell down. And it was yeah. like a full six seconds of it actually touching. So yeah. yeah, these things pop and go, and just like. If you you're, you're right with the sawing motions, like walking through on a good windy night, like the Ooh. leaves rustle, but you can see the these jagged teeth like crawling and sawing on each other, and then it combines with the older woods that creak and moan in the wind. Like it's it can be real spooky, and you can definitely design for some atmosphere. I'm trying to figure out how the best to do this because we're starting to find the issue of like part of the issue with the story is that the guy's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. And it's divided into three. And, like, there has to be a way to structure this that the assholishness, like, it's supposed to be he's an asshole with a heart of gold. Yeah. But, like, there needs to be a way to to layer that. Like, as Mm -hmm. he's talking about scaring kids he, he he if this was a longer one which i was kind of expecting it still sits about nine minutes for the youtube video yeah if it was longer like wrap the story of the lights into what's going on here of uh instead of him seeing the lights later like oh my favorite story to scare to scare the kids about is with these guiding lights on the cliffside and there was a there's signs of a big storm and like that was a perfect time to say it talk about the saw you know the trees on the ground and as the storm's picking up he's talking about these spooky lights that show up when terrible things happen and then like at the climax of the story look over and see the lights shit his pants and run away they kind of they, they they've kind of created this three humps for the story instead of building it into a five act big structured story. And we're kind yeah. of by picking it apart, we're finding this issue, but this is also an issue with creepy pastas of like sometimes they're not designed to be good stories. They're designed to be consumable, quick spookums that don't have to don't have to have the proper form, function, and structure because that makes them better yeah that's kind of like stories yeah it's kind of the, the nature of uh like internet short fiction is like because like we got creepy pastas then there's the shorter ones which are like micro pastas which are like a paragraph long and they're just supposed to be like like you said like they're they're designed to basically just like deliver the spook and that's it um and this one i don't think is like that but it's it's definitely trying to it's definitely like it suffers a little bit from its short uh the short format it uses. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> to have Sorry. Reflective eyes on this tree on the side of the road. You find, sir, are an asshole, a genius, but an asshole nonetheless. I might have to put that in the uh, description below <laughs> uh, to let our audience know see what that is. Um, yeah, the other thing is uh, so going back to like the weather and stuff of like that. It's like again, like when they, as soon as they started talking about the tornadoes and stuff. I was like, I was immediately brought back again. Another flashback to my my youth <laughs> in camping. Um, we we get we did get stuck out there in the in a in a storm once, 
Uh, and that was pretty harrowing, uh, canoeing across the largest lake that, uh, that we, we had, had to cross uh, at all. While there's a lightning storm approaching us very quickly and we're desperately trying to get across an open lake to the portage site like to like the main headquarters <laughs> so yeah i just this hit a lot of uh bells thematically for me for like uh familial uh familiarity also another thing with regards to the guy like being an asshole mm-hmm. is he is he not so much an asshole as just a chad <laughs> or like just like a jock like kind of or not a jock but like one of those kind of like just kind of like you said like a kind of a uh like alpha yeah kind of of an alpha or like just well we just learned at the end that his co-counselor is laura yeah which i mean i know you could have co-ed and it would make sense that you would have co-ed if you had female and male you know campers going along with you too and stuff like that i just at some point, I wondered if it wasn't just somebody trying to posture for, uh, you know, trying to impress press Laura. But it, the story never mentions that. It's just, yeah. I mean, it was a side note, and it was all me just kind of trying to look for something that wasn't there. Um, yeah, I think overall, though, what you're getting at is very important that our narrator is not a fleshed out person. Yeah. Yeah, like the story definitely seems to be like its main goal is to try and is to um, uh, deliver us that that zinger of like the lights and what they mean and stuff like that. Yeah, but they kind of suffer. It suffers in developing like uh, any like kind of true like character development outside of. Yeah, he's kind of a kind of an outdoorsy um, uh, macho kind of guy in in, in certain ways. He's yeah. a bro. He's yeah, a that's what I'm, that's bro. what I've been trying to think of. The bro, yeah, that's that's the what I've been trying to figure out. Uh, but he's a bro that's also like got the kids' like best intentions in mind. At the end of the day, like he is concerned for their well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's yeah. no there's no doubt. I mean, he could been yeah, well. He, he wouldn't just... be doing what he did in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, it just builds up to one big jab. Like you just got a few yeah. like little light punches, and then there's a haymaker. I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yep. Honestly, like if we if we go forward with this, uh, you know, you got the uh, the scene where they're all in the truck bed driving away and stuff like that. And um, what do you think of the, about the fact that he? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, you may have to edit all this out. I have no idea what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. I just thought it was like the, the discussion between Laura and him in general about him like relaying eight lights and stuff like that. Uh, like, don't you believe that this would have been another great opportunity for Laura to be like, what did you see? What did you see after, you know, throughout the course of the trek there? Oh, I yeah, like, I gotcha. Yeah. Like, I again, feel like there's a lot of show me opportunities. Yeah. Like add a little bit more, like, like splice up that story to like kind of build up the, the atmosphere and tension even further. Like ask, like, cause she, she was initially like pissed off at him for, getting them all out and like on like just a whim of like, Oh, there's some clouds brewing. It's probably going to be a storm. So let's go. But like, that's about, they eventually, they only just like, all right, they begrudgingly like get their kit, uh, their tents and stuff going uh, or unpacked and head out. So, but yeah, like we don't get any kind of like build up to like after that, like there's just, she's angry at him and concerned. And then they're back at they're at the ranger station, and like it's been revealed that there is actually a storm. And then she's questioning it, but like there should have been some kind of thing in between, right? Yeah. 
totally just to, to at least flesh her out. I mean, she wakes up mad. Yeah. Well, if she's a professional and knows the area and stuff like that, it should be more of a concern thing there. I like how, I mean, I don't like, but it's just, she's like, well, we're stuck out here. What are we going to do? We're just going to get wet and stuff like that. Like that doesn't seem like kind of a professional um, response when you're, you know, chaperoning. Yeah. yeah. Especially when, when it's hours into, into a vast wilderness, like you should know, a little, have a little bit more on the, the know of like what to do and stuff. Yeah. Um, not just like rely on your other co on your other uh, counselor to uh, to uh, know all the stuff. Yeah, and it, and it all just kind of just builds up our main character, obviously. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I had to like meander through my thoughts there. So if all that makes it, you can just like you listeners at home understand how my thought processes work. I just start making noise until I can tie it back together. Listen, we treat this as a discussion course. Like yeah. here at school, the number of <laughs> meandering thoughts that I have heard in the last month and a half that have actually led to decent points is actually astronomical. So, I I think meandering thoughts are really useful, and you've kind of you, you've hit the point. Is like I like to when I design stories and horror. Like the rule of three from comedy is also really useful in horror. Yeah, because comedy requires a punchline horror sometimes tells you a punchline you didn't know or doesn't have a punchline so like the rule of threes we have a three-act structure but like splicing in what do you see we can't we gotta go you know finally settling down what do you see i can't talk i'm too nervous and then what did you see boom done or like he mentioned seeing the lights checking again and then saying it later like that's technically threes but it's it's two quicks and then one long so like this could be structured in a better way to draw out that tension it's just you'd have to massage the story a bit yeah yeah for sure uh, also, uh, with regards to like the meandering, um, this is a discussion podcast, <laughs> so yeah, like true. like kind of just mirroring Travis. Like that's kind of the point of our show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I just get self conscious. That's no, fine. Uh, Don't worry about it. So, do we have anything else to add on this, or, sh- or are you about, are you all um, about ready to go over to the application portion of this? I'm always ready for yeah, application. I was I was thinking the application's probably, but I do have one grammar inquisition <laughs> actually in my notes, just one. <laughs> Uh, give me a second. I'll pull it up. So here's the quote that seemed to get them going, and within ten minutes, the tents were packed, or were packed up, and we'd begun our trek into the deep woods. Is it supposed to be we began our trek into the deep woods? Is that better? Hmm. I mean, I'm trying to find the exact passage. Here. It's uh basically as he like he shouts no um to the campers. As they're groaning and stuff. It depends okay. on what the yeah. the conjunction is, because it's we had, we should, or we would. Yeah, so it's like we had began our journey would work. If they, gotcha. We or we had begun our. You know, this is like we had begun our trek. Into yeah. The yeah so you're, says, you're, like, you're getting into a tense issue there. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, tense issues are always a, an issue with me because like so many creep bosses break tense. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it is a four story, so tents being an issue is kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Thank you. Uh, Gamer Yellow? <laughs> Sorry. I, I would have I preferred began our trek. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's grammar acquisition over. <laughs> Just had to, I had to bring that one up. <laughs> our quota has been met for the day. 
All right. So yeah, on to uh, the kitchen or application section of our podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, see so, yeah, how like with this one, I, I honestly like it. Little fears, um, fear itself, kind of like horror scenario where yeah. you're you're just campers out in the woods and you encounter the lights. Like, um, that's kind of like my staple. Is <laughs> just to kind of go with that because like maybe play it from the kids point of view because with the little fears game you've got um uh uh, fear checks going with every ghost story that the guy tells and that just kind of amplifies the the terror presence in the area so i think a good way to start i think is stepping back to the idea of the will-o'-wisp and the guiding lights that we've talked about here and the multiple types that are also dependent on cultural perspective um so it sounds like and this could be wrong but they they give a I, I I differentiate them between guiding lights, will-o'-wisps, and like spook lights. Yeah. So like guiding lights are what we see here, which is a beneficial interaction. Will-o'-wisps are typically mischievous or negative, and spook lights are unknowable but have a potential social sociological reason for their existence, i.e., a haunted ghost. Mm-hmm. And if you can form a game around that that creates the tension of what is actually happening. Cause like, if it's a spook light up there, okay, that might be somebody that's lost, a lost camper. Oh God. Or if it's the guiding lights, like we have here, it's, we need to leave. Or if it's a willow wisp, it's actually a malicious entity going out there. And if you want to, if you play it from the kid's perspective, you choose which one of these stories to tell. If you play it from the adult perspective, then you have this tension of like, here are the four here's the spectrum of possibilities you have to figure out what to do and that spectrum creates the the shadows of doubt in your decision that guide you and like re- cause the tensions yeah you kind of have like a clue scenario where like uh what what exactly yeah where you're trying to identify the the nature of of what's like haunting haunting you or what's like hunting you <laughs> yeah so like for instance uh savannah okifanoki swamp or georgia has Georgia and Savannah are always haunted. We'll just get that out of the way. Yeah. We talked about that already. Okefenokee Swamp has a version of this that I remember from my past. It could be bullshit because Savannah is full of bullshit horror. But the idea is that in the Okefenokee, which is one of the larger uh, wetland areas, there is giant skeleton that walks around and haunts you. There's spook lights. But also one of the spook lights you run into is a bunch of deceased uh civil war confederate soldiers trying to get back out of the swamp and what they do is they guide people into the swamp that are yankees or they guide people out of the swamp that are good confederate people and like that tension of you're already in a place everything wants to kill you because the south in the swamp and now you have to just find if like are these good or bad is a is a is a, one of those stories that i remember and think is a good like fodder for this type of situation well yeah. obviously you got to wander around swamps talking about states rights and then they're gonna get you out of <laughs> God. Uh. oh let's not go into this conversation yeah, no. not. <laughs> it's about uh. states rights it's about slavery it's about states rights to own people Uh, that's some of the american sins that we just threw out there uh read ghostlands it talks all about this stuff keep pushing that book every time i'm on the radio (laughs) it's fine it's perfectly fine um yeah go ahead oh no i was just uh 
I'm honestly just trying to gather my thoughts as well. So uh, well, I'll keep thinking about like where I would use this. And this is, I know a conversation that we have had beforehand, but I don't think we've had it on, you know, your podcast, but I always wanted to make a, uh, make a series of games with, or scenarios with monsters, monster of the week that just involved state parks. Cause I've always been really interested in the missing four one one. And then there's the, uh, <clears throat> the staircase, the creepypasta stuff about yes. staircases in the middle of the woods and things like that. And I just really feel like, you know, if I were going to use this for that purpose, I would just basically make a game where you work for the, uh, you know, field and wildlife or something like that, and you're going throughout national parks looking into like national parks X Files, I guess you could say. So, so this the, would be one episode of that. So the MP files. Or no, it's it's the men in plaid. <laughs> <laughs> the forestry defenders. <laughs> Sorry, that's uh that's an inside joke from another episode we did on the show. <laughs> I do really Actually, like that idea though, because like yeah. the idea of the the issue we I run into with like little fears and fear itself is they feel very singular and you can stitch them together, but there's an issue of like after a certain point you have to there needs to become a point where you have to just outright murder or kill a character. I don't do something drastic to make yeah. the players who are used to the situation Give realize you're still not good enough to yeah. turn this into a fighting game. I'm looking at Krazon as I killed him once in summer oh, yeah. camp and then <laughs> killed somebody else absolutely brutally a couple of like 50 sessions later to make sure that they realized they were not strong enough. Yeah. Where Monster of the Week is very much like, yo, go check this out. Uh, what? Bye. And then like, you never get that like I, that power progression and the mechanics of that system never feel like they're going to be such that you can take on the situation it's always like scooby-doo run through the situation and try and survive yeah um yeah like they definitely could use a or like and this could like be uh again just another flavor for like that monster of the week kind of scenario because it's just like uh you're going to like if it's set in like the americas it's just like all right you're going across the border to algonquin park in ontario and you have to deal we've got reports of these like multiple people have been spotting these lights. Yeah, we don't know what the hell they are. So, kind of to borrow from your idea uh, idea earlier, Travis. It's like we don't know if they're spook lights, uh, uh, will o' wisps, or guy uh, or guiding lights. So you got to go out there and find it. Make sure, like, see if this is a malicious or benevolent force. Mm-hmm. You could take a Delta Green approach. We don't use phenomics enough, so an entire oh, game. Oh God. So yeah. you know, you're just filming that, but like here's the here's the kicker with that, like if it's just a one shot and then you know you're stuck out there and you all die, that's great. But it just seems like that would be something I would want to do more of. So I would, this would be one of those games that I try like would be a difficult balancing act. But I would love to kid glove it to the fact that it's not completely lethal, so you can have like subsequent follow up stuff like that. But like. You know, you've just created the thread for a Delta Green scenario that involves a program later. So you go in there and yeah. you're you're the bumbling canary in the well. Yeah. And then um, you survive and walk out and then somebody go it goes in behind you and it's the meat grinder. Exactly, yeah. Like and the, uh, yeah, if going again with Algonquin, like it, it isn't 
entirely. It's not as lethal as I think the uh, what what is it in Savannah? The Okino Okifinoki Okifinoki uh, swamp, because like not everything's trying to kill you in Algonquin. Um, there's lots of deer. <laughs> there's moose, bears. Yeah. Um, but really, it's like yeah, and even like the with the weather and stuff like that. Like it's, I think it would actually be kind of like a kind of kids gloves to a degree or it would be easily uh, easily like too easy to uh to have it kind of be a, like a, a relatively non-lethal but like still like harrowing kind of adventure yeah yeah your your mention of phenomics was to, yeah. to, to pardon the pun phenomenal because yes. like <laughs> you just watch like ghost hunters and you just exactly. watch all these really poorly done horror spooky ghost hunts and like national park mystery things and then you just set your players out to be phenomics and it's or even yeah you set it out to be phenomics for like three sessions and then as you were saying these are just the canaries that are chirping very loud and some poor schmuck of a cell comes back as season two as you're just like we have to go check all this stuff out why do they keep doing this why do they keep doing this oh my god oh my god and just like letting these guys go out there (laughs) and and it's like well we kind of let them go out there because they you know if they die great if they don't we know we gotta go check it out oh i hate (laughs) these people like that really annoy it's like that that really annoying dog that actually only barks when something bad happens but it barks constantly, so it's like, ah, I want to get rid of you because you won't shut up, but you've actually been really useful. Ah. <laughs> God, I'm just trying to think of an, of an appropriate cell name now for, for the ones that have to deal with the schmucks and phenomics. The headache uh, cell. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> Shit, duty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I believe actually, nice. Like, I th- believe somebody from either no, it's from technical difficulty, right? There, they post those ones. Yeah, that's the uh, basically the the shit cell, <laughs> like the guys who who get like get all the shit jobs. Yeah, I think that maybe something that Ethan was uh, pushing out there. Yeah, yeah, that was for Fall of Delta Green, I believe. Mm-hmm. As long um, as you're not on art duty, because I know art duty, is <laughs> art duty is the worst duty. <laughs> fills everyone with terror. Yeah. What's worse than reading a book in, in Delta Green? Looking at art. <laughs> art. Um, um, yeah. I, you know, so we got our staples for uh, you know modern horror. So I think a different approach would be if you broke out Deadlands and all of a sudden you're the colonial people, so to speak. Yeah. Or maybe you could move it forward to, you know, a century or whatnot, but like I think that would be really interesting if you played the original party. Oh god. <laughs> or a second party perhaps that was looking for the first party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That would like, that could be interesting, like because it's basically like search and rescue woods just a yeah. couple centuries down the road. <laughs> or a, a couple centuries back. And you know what would be really nice? That'd be something to tie in with a little bit American tragedy if you were gonna say Donner Pottery. I thought that was gonna be the one you were gonna choose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Donner Party. <laughs> I tried to help them and they said no, so I guess uh fuck them. <laughs> yeah, original guess who's coming to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Donner party of five. Donner party of five. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, we we keep going to these tried and true ones, which are great and all that. But you know, I think 
something like that or hell dogs in the vineyard or anything that would just like go back into the area of the past. And we're really, you know, cautious in our horror games. And this is the biggest problem I've had running like Delta Green and Call of Cthulhu and stuff like that said in modern era is like, well, I'm going to look on my phone. Well, you know, if you're back in those periods, that's not an option. Of course, I'm sh- I meant to ask you this earlier, but how cell service up there? Is that pretty much a dead zone? <laughs> Do you have a satellite phone? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I will say, um, once you get at a certain point in Algonquin Park, you just turn off your phone for the for the weekend. <laughs> like, okay. it's not going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> the sur- between between being far away from any cell towers, like I think the nearest one might be the headquarters um, of the Portage, which is so there's there is a single highway that goes through Algonquin Park through 8000 kilometers of, of forest. <laughs> and I think halfway through that or not even halfway through that uh, down that highway, there is the uh, Portage station, which is basically a, like a kind of a camping headquarters area. Um, where everybody just like goes off to the to the respective like campsites and stuff like that from there, um, but yeah, aside from that, and like the story says, like there are cliffs that are hundreds of feet um, uh, in in height, and so like we it's rolling basically Canadian Shield, so just rolling granite hills um, amidst these uh, like pockets of lake water of like lake valleys, so. Yeah, reception's not the greatest out in the will out in the uh, out in the Algonquins. Hell, I know in Portland we just a major highway to get from Portland to the coast goes through a state park and just it's a three hour trip for two hours of it. You don't have radio, you don't have anything. Like nope. major bus lines ha- take it through there, and it's just like, well, you have no cell phone reception. They'll check on us if we don't report in. That's yeah. the only that's the only safety net you got. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure like a lot of the rangers there like in in Algonquin use like just the radio like like an old like a uh two-way radios and stuff. Like that's and outside of that and like a bonfire, like a, a smoke signal <laughs> or a yeah. flare, like you're your best just to try and like either stay put and wait for help to come or if you know the way back, just go back. Yeah. Wow. So I yeah. just my American mind, just like yeah. how many miles, kilometers, uh, 8,000 kilometers they are. And for those of you at home, 8,000 kilometers is about 30 miles shy of 5,000 miles. Yes. Big woods. Uh, yeah. Uh, and even in the best of times, like Canadian um, cell tower infrastructure is not the best. It's certainly not uh, on par with, with American infrastructure because uh, we actually did an episode a couple of years ago where it was a story about some kids in Jersey that were like out in like a cabin and they were like playing a cell phone game. And we, my, my, my fellow co-host Mikey had to look up um, like what the, the, the coverage was like, because he couldn't believe that like these kids could have cell phone towers because that's how bad our, our, our coverage is compared to yours. Like in, in New Jersey alone, like the area that was where the story took place, their coverage was just like a, like a thick blue like bubble compared to like where we have like where like it's like basically along the border <laughs> yeah uh, is like the best coverage and then the farther you get north it just kind of dissipates in co- in terms of like coverage density 
So, yeah. I'm about to sell more games in Canada, it looks like. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, scary. Sorry. Okay, I, I, like to, I like to continue my, uh, my, my statement on woods and, like, n- the north. Mm-hmm. The force be scary, yo. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, the another idea I had that just kind of sprung up mainly because of the uh, like my own personal experience with uh, things in Algonquin is the so you could also ha- tie the lights into like maybe even um, uh, uh, kind of almost go like a shining route with a haunted uh, use the haunted hotel. Yeah, or like the the creepy hotel. Like maybe the lights like lure you out to that, and then. Or you have to run to the hotel. Or you had to get to the yeah, you had to get there uh, as a, some means of shelter. Because I mean, there's not much left. Like there's basically the foundations and like maybe a few standing buildings, but otherwise it's uh, and it, it, and it, if you look at like if you go on Wikipedia and look up Highland Inn, or it is actually pretty similar to um, uh, the the Outlook the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. <laughs> so gonna pull that up so you guys can see uh, what cell mapper. You can search for your network on the any and see how the cell phone signals work all over the world. Oh, nice! So if you do like AT and T, and just do that as a generalized. So like, if you do T Mobile USA, yeah, we're zoom out. You Bell. can see that T. Oh my God! You're running. You're setting up <laughs> cell phone towers in the middle of nowhere. Oh, get screwed up. There you go. Yeah, that could be one too. Yeah, just you gotta get it assembled quick enough. To get a signal out, or you're jolly, jolly well fucked. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. And this is super. Like this is a, this is a great data viz thing to just see it because like West Virginia actually has a huge dead spot. <laughs> oh, 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 um. So I just I pulled up the map for Algonquin. It goes a, all the towers are going around Algonquin. Yep. <laughs> they just go straight. They go right up to North Bay and go along the Ottawa River. And just completely subvert Algonquin Park. Oh, oh no! Yeah. It looks like there might be some coverage. Yeah, there's coverage at that uh, uh, on the south end um, a little bit because of the the highway that goes through the south end of Algonquin. Why does Nebraska have such shitty coverage? <laughs> Would it be like a nice modern day scenario where you just kind of try to survive to get into cell phone service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that'd be an interesting one. Like, yeah, like for you know, say if somebody set a game up somewhere. In that area about, you know, dinosaur ghosts and stuff like oh, that. Oh, who did that? <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. That's, a good, that's a novel well, idea there. I might have to take some notes on that, sir. Well, I, I think, imagine this, if, like, cell phone service, like, like we have less hauntings now because cell phone service is just frying whatever, like, could be actively haunted and stuff like that. So you just got to make it to that area. So it yeah. lessens. I'm trying to Okay, there is apparently a single tower out in an outlying area near Sproul Bay in um uh God, that's a that's a name. That's a that's a word. Um Opiongo Lake Road. There it's it's in the oh it's called it's in uh, it's at an Algonquin Outfitters, which is basically um uh just like another a small like pinprick of civilization in an otherwise 8,000 kilometer expanse of woods. <laughs> and again, it's not even in like the center, not even in like the middle of this, of the, of Algonquin Park. It's like, again, on the south end where like that right next to that highway that goes through it. So yeah. 
Yeah, enjoy. West Virginia has just a West Virginia, Nevada, and Ohio are all just like, hey, by the way, dead zones and Maine. Yeah. So yeah, enjoy. Found a cool little thing to use for when you were like, do I have service here? Nope. <laughs> do you have the right service? What's your service on your phone? <laughs> yeah, basically. Jesus, that is terrifying. <laughs> that is do they even have two G? Yeah, no, no. Just cross the board, all bands, 2G, 3G, 4G. It's just basically the main highways that go around and that one that goes through Algonquin, but that's it. And if you were to Google Algonquin Park and look up the topography, you'll see it's just just jagged hills. Right. Like, that goes back to what I wanted to talk about earlier, about the naturalistic oh. phenomenon. Yes. Speaking of topography. Right. Um, to also deviate back from this tangent i've unfortunately put us back on <laughs> okay the tangent uh, police are not knocking on my door yet not yet but uh, <laughs> that is another thing to consider is like a lot of like we talked about the spectrum for the the potentiality of these lights like the naturalistic phenomenon that this is like essentially some type of capacitance that the lights are resulting of the electrical field bolting up and like sending off lights storm that's another aspect to consider for a game that might just be completely naturalistic or like for instance uh since we are trying to integrate non-traditional horror systems like if you want to play a D game have a t- topo map of the area and then just deal with this oh, yeah. weird naturalistic phenomenon with a low magic setting that's that's another very interesting way to do this because weird phenomena that is explainable but doesn't feel like a good explanation is a thing that ties all of these loosely together. The phenomics example, for instance, works great because it's just like, hey, by the way, Zweihander, yeah, Zweihander works yeah. great. I was for that just, as soon as you said like low fantasy, like D&D stuff, it's like, or I could, Zweihander does have that Roanoke um, setting uh, seed at the in the back of the book. <laughs> oh, cool. So yeah, but like the idea of just finding a weird, like just find a weird natural phenomenon that's unique to our area. Like we're spoiled in the Americas because tornadoes are supposed to be rare, except for we live in the tornado capital of the literal. Like, yeah, there, there has to be something in your area. Again, I always say localized so you can experience it and find better resources to study it. But there has to be some type of phenomenon that you can find locally or within a certain distance, a travel distance that you can just turn into a game and spin. And looking at topo maps, topographical maps, which shows the elevation up and down, stuff like that, you can usually find some really fun places to, to, to make them. It's also kind of easy to make topo maps auto-generate them. I'm talking a little over people's head because you can do that in a couple of auto-generated tools in Photoshop. If people are interested, shoot me an email. You'll get my contact information later. But like, you can generally set up some really fun stuff just with a layout to make a horror game. And yeah. like a couple of weird things. So again, Swamp Gas makes dancing lights, ball lightning coming from the, the thunderstorm that's approaching the thunderstorm <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have the swamp gas and the ball lightning hitting and you have a plasma storm just like out of oh nowhere like what happened why did this all why is everything on fire why is it raining fire that doesn't burn but it feels cold like what plasma done yeah <laughs> just uh 
Yeah, and then and then you're like it's it's basically again for like you're using Delta Green rules. You just use the um uh what are they called? The the gin the yeah. ifrits. And, and don't even make them don't even make them a creature. Just use that for the ball lightning for the plasma for the plasma entities, because that's basically what they are. Yeah. Uh and if you're using Call of Cthulhu, the, the gin and ifrits are based off of the fire vampires. Yes. Um uh, but yeah, and then like one of the best ways to make a horror game scary is, as Adam was hinting at, people that play a lot of horror games are cautious, they know what's going on, and they have meta-knowledge that they can't separate themselves out from just inanely from knowing the situation, experience, and the setting. Yeah. Making it completely normal and making them experience the worst of the world terrifies them. So, for instance, there's the... Uh, the the hellstorm in uh in a certain planet i can't remember but essentially it's so hot it it rains shards of ice and the wind is such that they fly almost completely vertical so yeah. like that is technically in a very rare hyper unique circumstance something that could possibly happen and the theater of the mind and the whatever do whatever you want nature of tabletops like you can create that a microburst hits over a sand pit that shoots up the sand. A lightning bolt hits the sand particles in the air and liquefies them. And the wind and the water blow it so fast they turn into shards, and you have to run. Yeah, now you suddenly have that razor rain from uh, Gears of War. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or oh. a tornado went over top of an ocean, school of sharks, and you know. Oh God! <laughs> like it's a joke, but. Yeah, <laughs> it works. Yeah, like, weirder things have happened. Like the rain of frogs, I think they said was a tornado hit over a, a breeding pool and it just shot pond scum and frogs everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's just like we we laugh at, at Sharknado, but I mean, like well, that's one step. That's one. It's one step up the ladder from again raining frogs. Like all right. so, here you go. Mm-hmm. Here's a little gift for you. Okay. I'm dropping it in here right now. Now. Listeners at home, if this makes it in the final cut, I am sharing a link to a Wikipedia page about the Kentucky Meat Challenge. Ah, I was going to talk know about, about this. this. All right, I so this. Do you, do you remember that that's where I live? Like, yes. This, this is my home. Like, I'm not talking like I'll drive 30 minutes and it's there. I'm like, no, this is like I live in oh, like the the area, like identical. Yeah. So. It wasn't it wasn't I, I'm skimming through this. Yeah, it was like unexplained for a while, and they just thought it was. A, and now it's like just a bunch of vultures vomited at once, and it made it almost like <laughs> yeah. a rain of meat. Oh my so, god! <laughs> for those at home, I'm going to read directly from uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> the Kentucky meat shower was an incident occurring for a period of several minutes on March 3rd, 1876 where what appeared to be flakes of red meat measuring five to five by five centimeters or two by two inches with at least one being 10 centimeters uh, fell from the sky in a 100 by 50 yard or 90 by first whatever area of sediment of Rankin, Bath County, uh, Kentucky. There you know where I am now. There exist several explanations as to how this occurred and what the meat was. The most popular being the vulture theory, in which a, a large group of vultures regurgitated their meals all at once in this area. And um, 
Yes, yeah, some people think it was just bacteria that fell from the sky too. But yeah, that's kind of interesting. That yeah, like so. To quote Jimi Hendrix, "Please excuse me while I eat the sky." <laughs> Sorry, it's all good. It's all about purple haze, guys. <laughs> I just I I always forget about the meat shower. <laughs> <laughs> Like I've I've heard it multiple times. I just always uh, yeah, it's just wow, always gets me. <laughs> and if you ever open this link, just go under anomalous weather because <laughs> there you have oh god about yeah, fifteen different ones that you can use. For whatever type of horrific storytelling in the woods you want. Yeah, just yeah. So basically, this the, what we're kind of going with is like. Men in, or the men in plaid kind of like forced like <laughs> using like forced of the week <laughs> is what I'm kind of seeing with our our rundown for this yeah um, as well as because uh, they just have like different phenomena happening in the woods um either as a result of like or and like either tied into like a ghost story uh like this one did or um, like find something like some like something in like that's like allocated to a specific like national park or something. Yeah. Um, and then again, if you want to like kind of make it not don't go the don't want to go the modern route, like yeah, like use um, she's haunted west, like a similar thing to like Deadlands or um, like oh, you're talking uh, about the uh, one that uh, Chris Spivey is right uh, working on right now. Yeah the 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 one that's being kickstarted right now. It's, yeah. Or that may not be kickstarted at the point, uh, maybe finished kickstarting at uh, as of this posting. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, like, it, but it's a little bit more um, it's uh, centered around people of color and yes, yeah. their experiences. Exactly. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's like straight up mythos as or no, oh, it's just weird. West is what they were saying, and not not in the. This is a thing that I saw when I read through this. I enjoy the weird West is this really bad really bad characteristic of if you hear weird west people expect sandworms and robots and ghosts instead of just like hey it it rained frogs yesterday what yeah go about your day just don't don't lick the frogs they make you hallucinate it's like what yeah it's kind of like basically applying weird fiction to the west or like to western genre yeah not and the problem is like the ridiculous level of weird it's yeah subtle thing Sorry. <laughs> um, the problem I think is like the weird West keeps getting like it just gets l- like latched on to the big like Deadlands kind of stuff. Yeah. Like basically when somebody yeah because like you said like when somebody thinks weird West they think like steampunk and um, like ghosts or like or like or like not ghosts or, like but yeah like or like Lovecraftian horror like in the Wild West or the movie that Will Smith was in Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah sorry going back to um uh, a campfire story um do we have anything else to bring up for like the kitchen segment i, I think i'm kind of tapped right now on that yeah so i'm trying to think of any other weird systems to use I can't think of any. I want to say fiasco, but that's a fiasco waiting to happen. So let's <laughs> let's let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Don't you boo me. You play your monster hunter game. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't booing at all. <laughs> the peanut um, gallery is over there hunting monster and booing me. Oh. <laughs> um. <Aww. laughs> 
Uh, you could also run Dread in it, I guess, too. Or Slasher Flick. Yeah. Is other yeah, I think, ideas. I, th- I think so. Um, I mean, you have Slasher Flick. You have your major and your minor characters and stuff like that. So uh, that might be a little the environment bit more lethal. And the uh, Slasher would be great. Yeah, and just no, make it like kids. Just have it be like a bunch of dumb like twenty year olds going into the into Algonquin Park. Yeah, actually, yeah, having the slasher be the environment and be the storm is a really interesting idea. Yeah, and maybe the um the the lights are actually just a warning, basically. Like they they're kind of like the the catalyst, and then it's like uh, what is it Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Like where like the kids yeah. just kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no actual like monster. It's just like they they're so paranoid, it's so genre savvy that they end up killing themselves. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've touched on a fair amount of fodder from this story. Yeah. Um, so I guess down to the the next uh, to the onto the next like the final thing. Um, recommendations for the story. I I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, although yeah. it does, it could use some it could use some some extra tuning like like we like we brought up earlier. With the uh, like sparsing out some more, uh, divvying out some more like atmosphere and like tension building, like in between like that giant like just page and a half of of the uh, the legend, like break it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I I recommend it for I I don't consume very many creepy pastas, but I think what it has here is perfectly within. It's probably one of the better ones I've read. It's definitely fantastic fodder for anybody that wants storytelling and stuff like that. So I I give it a thumbs up. Also, it's on YouTube, which means that it gets an even bigger thumbs up for me, so I don't have to read. Because I, <laughs> I, I will listen to creepypastas looping in the background while I'm doing research at lab, and that's yeah. really useful. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and Adam? <laughs> No, I think I've said everything that I had to say earlier. I just think it I think it's beautiful. I think it's great. I think for it being as short as it was, it was very impactful and just uh, a little bit of elaboration to break up just a straight narration of the uh previous events would be uh it would be great. I think um yeah, if you if you made everybody more than just two dimensional. Yeah, I mean great. Unfortunately, that is kind of the the staple of creepypasta genre is cardboard cutouts. Yeah, but uh, and I, and I do like how we've uh, over the course of these three episodes that we've done of like the different states and provinces. I like how we've chosen one from each source that or each of our my staple sources. Like yeah. we've done one in creepypasta.wiki, one from creepypasta.com, and now one from Reddit. No sleep. So, um, all right. Well, uh, if there's nothing else to be said, uh, that is our show for today. Um, Adam, and since we're just waiting on Travis, uh, what do you want to promote? Oh, well, I have this little quaint podcast called the Role Playing Exchange. We spell it all together as one word instead of two because I'm an English major and that's how we do things. You know, just being creative. But uh, you can find us at, well, anywhere that podcasts are. I think I have got my name out there on everything that I possibly could. Uh, but yeah, our web main website is uh, www.realpointexchange.com. We have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com uh, slash the Point Exchange. And um, we are on Twitter at R-P-E-X-C-H-A-N-G-E. Uh, I don't have Instagram. I just like I'm, I'm 39. I'm almost 40. I just I kind of hit my wall. 
You know what I mean? It's it's fun, yeah. <laughs> you you got to choose your your social media yeah. platforms. <laughs> and, and basically, what we do on the Real Point Exchange is uh, each month we have a uh, talky episode, like this month in particular. You know, in October twenty uh, twenty nineteen, we were doing an interview for Kickstarter uh, creator, but uh, we usually do one talky episode a month and post two actual plays. And if you are a Patreon subscriber, which you know we definitely would appreciate that. You'd be a swell individual. We release an extra kind of uh, we call it beyond the wall Patreon, but just really us talking about current events and stupid stuff. Like we talked about Old Hitler. If you know who Old Hitler is, and if not, that's a uh, genetically engineered hammerhead shark that the Nazis created to fight the uh, uh, Allies during World War Two. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you gave me five bucks, I could tell you more. But like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah paywall. <laughs> but uh, you can find us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/RealPointExchange. I'll give you a little hint. You could just Google that, and it'll tell you all the same shit. But like, <laughs> okay. you don't get my commentary. Florida, why are you all? Why is it always where it's the weirdest, dumbest thing based in Florida? Uh, what I have, I have two words for you, or three words for you, uh, Travis. Hold my beer. Hold <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> it. Like oh, that moves on to me? Yes. So, yeah, everybody, Travis Gaskew. Um, I am up for whatever you guys want to talk about. You can send me an email at my school email. Uh, it's T G A S Q U E at at gatech g a t e c h dot edu. That's my school email. I'll actually have to answer that, and it will show up. I do have a Twitter, which is at j u j u underscore m u n s t e r, and I do have a website. It's getting fixed up currently. T g a s q u e dot m e. Um, if you want to find me, if you want to talk to me, send me an email. If you're interested in auto generating topo maps, send me an email. I basically do. Anything that you can want on a computer, I'm slowly realizing I am the generalist of my lab that is able to do pretty much everything. So if you're interested in me writing a story, telling you how to break it down, how to make some type of auto-generated computer program to make a thing, how to edit, how to you know, design a role-playing game, stuff like that, you can reach out to me and talk. I do have a Patreon. Uh, nobody joins it. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, and, uh, that's me. All right. I sometimes I'll have, like, I'm your private dancer. Going through my head right now. <laughs> Name I what don't you know. want, and I'll help you. Just gotta be able to pay me something. <laughs> I was I was gonna, I was gonna say, Travis, like, you are the everyman, the jack of all trades. <laughs> if you give me a week, I can probably make whatever you want, as long as not something too complicated. Fair enough. Um, and as always, uh, you can reach out to us at Al Dente Mortis via uh, the comment section, uh, wherever this gets posted, whether it be on Podbean, uh, Facebook, YouTube, or Tumblr. Um, we're also on iTunes and other so uh, other podcasting um, platforms. So help us, uh, like, let us know via like reviews and ratings. Help us spread like a virus. Um, you can also get a hold of me on Twitter at Review Cultist. Uh, and uh, you can also send us emails at aldenterigamortis at gmail.com. That's A L D E N T E R I G A M O R T 
TS at gmail.com, where you can also leave us suggestions for other creep pastas from your states or provinces that you'd like us to discuss on the show. Um, and if you'd like to help support our show, you can go to Patreon, look up El Dente Rigamortis, and select the backer tier uh, you'd like to support us at. We have $2 and $5 tier with special extra special episodes, extra episodes, early access to episodes uh, ahead of when they get posted. To our patrons that are already helping support the show, thank you immensely. You're helping keep those hosting bills at bay, and we very much appreciate that. And to the listeners of this show and the authors of these stories, thank you immensely, because without you guys, we really wouldn't have much of a show. So thank you. Until next time, I have been your host, Review Cultist. And I'm Adam. <laughs> I'm Travis. And this has been Al Dente Rigamortis. Sleep well. Travis just kicked that accent back up ever since I did that. It's Rebecca can mention this. It's like if I'm on the phone or I'm talking south, my accent creeps up larger and larger and larger until I'm full on. Y'all, how you doing? Good job. Let's go get some corn and cracklings. <laughs> Let's go have some crawdads. Right, crawdads, corn crackling will be fantastic this afternoon. Praise Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> Folks, uh, I hate I hate to leave yep. good company, but I've got an hour to get ready before I go camping in the woods. So, uh, I'll hey, let you know. better coverage than we do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah, we we do. I mean, I'm taking a Prius, so like it's not like I'm going off road to get to my campsite. But uh, yeah, yeah. If I don't make it, I, I'll be back. Then obviously, I won't ever talk to you again. So it's been great. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. All right. <laughs> good luck. Come on.